Hello and welcome to this episode of the Missing Link for SLPs podcast. Another double duo for you today. We have George Barnes and Allie Boyer here, and they are two speech pathologists who specialize in fees evaluations, and they have their own company, Feasible Swallow Solutions, and they're part of the new Brave SLP series because they are out and about doing fees in a pandemic. So welcome to George and Allie. Welcome to this episode of the Missing Link for SLPs podcast. I am so glad you're here. This episode is part of the series of Real Talk, and the series highlights real conversations with real SLPs about real topics of conversation in our field that are honest, open, raw, and very authentic. We are glad you're here. Be sure to visit our website at freshslp.com where you will find more podcasts and more blogs and leave a comment. We'd love to hear your feedback about what you're hearing, what you're listening, and what your thoughts are. Glad you're here. Welcome, George and Allie from Feasible Swallowing Solutions. We are, I am so glad you're here because I know you are going to have a very interesting story for the students in the new SLPs who are listening to this podcast. Welcome, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you so much Thank you. Very us. happy to be here. Thank you for inviting us, Maddie. You're welcome. Allie is it's learning how there's three of us on here. But yes, this is a little bit more challenging than I anticipated, but I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having us. You're welcome. I'm excited you're here. I know as a graduate professor, a lot of students come through, um, well, I just see them out on Facebook land and, and everywhere coming to me at my Fresh SLP website. And they're like, this is what I want to do. I want to be a medical SLP and I really want to specialize in swallowing. So when you guys said, hey, I would love to be part of this podcast, I said, yes, absolutely. Will you, um, starting with George, will you tell me a little bit about why you became an SLP, please? Sure, sure. Um, so I actually started in business, believe it or not. Um, I majored in marketing in college and undergrad, and I started working for a marketing research company directly out of school. And I realized pretty quickly that a desk job was just not for me. Um, you know, it was basically crunching numbers, creating spreadsheets all day. And I felt like I needed something a little bit more fulfilling. Um, I'm definitely a people person. I love being around people. I love talking to people face to face, or in this case today would be mask to mask, but it's still, um, you know, the being a speech pathologist and being able to help people and be with people all day is, is something that really fulfills me. And, um, when I, you know, right out of school, I, I started working for the marketing research company. And I thought right away, I need to see what other things I can do. You know, I was still young at that point. I can, I had, um, you know, time to, to go back to school to do different things. And I learned about speech pathology through a friend of mine, um, who I, he let me shadow him for a few days. And I realized that you can basically do like 300 different things in the same facility under the same title. And that really interested me because, you know, I was always scared of, of becoming bored with what I was doing. And, um, 
that happened in, in uh, the job that I was in pretty quickly. And I realized with speech pathology and healthcare, especially in this, in this growing field, it's, it's really an exciting time to be a speech pathologist. You can do so many different things and get involved with so many different projects. So I'm really happy that I made the decision that I did. I think that's our quote for the, one of our quotes for your show notes is right there. There are so many things we can do. And I like you just love our job. Allie, your story. So I had an aunt who was a speech pathologist and in many, many ways we are still so similar. So growing up, it was just kind of this known thing that Allie was going to go to school to be a speech pathologist. Um, and my sister, she needed speech therapy services and I, I loved it. So I went to school, did my graduate school degree, did my um, school placement. And mm-hmm. while I enjoyed it, it was not, it was certainly not my passion. I knew that from the get-go. So then I completed my hospital internship and I was very, very satisfied with the medical placement. I was very satisfied with the medical aspects of our career, but it wasn't until I held an endoscope for the first time. It wasn't until I started um, doing performing mobile fees in-house for a large rehab company that I realized, okay, this is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. This is the perfect balance of treating patients and helping clinicians and really getting that plan of care in place to get those patients to their to their next level of care, whether that be um, you know long-term care, that's where I started. I still love long-term care or to the home. Um, so I that was my passion and I realized, Seven years in, but, you know, we have all the time in the world to realize our passion. So I'm really grateful to be where I am today. And just like George said, there's so many things we can do in places we can go and projects we can be involved in. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things about my day is I had a, a what, 11, 12 hour day at the hospital yesterday and it was just filled with puzzles to solve, people to meet, things to think about you know, and I think these stories that we share at the beginning of the podcast are so important because when there are people who are listening to this podcast or new students starting out, they need to remember why they started and the passion that they bring to their careers and to their lives and to their their patients' lives. So thanks for sharing that story, your stories with us. So true. Yes. Tell me how help me tell me how you two got started in fees and a little bit about the story be, between how you decided to start a company. I can take the beginning portion of that, George. That's <laughs> so cute. I was so lucky to work in a rehab facility where we had on-site um, modified barium swallow. I would take my patients from the the rehab, from the sniff portion. I would wheel them over myself to the acute care setting where George works, still works as a speech pathologist. And George was working and doing the modified barium swallows. So I became enamored with the entire process. George helped me realize, you know, what I'm able to do with an instrumental swallow study because I never had one before for any of my patients. 
Um, and so George and I just started forming this professional relationship and we both realized pretty quickly that we were both very passionate about a lot of things, the similar patient population, diagnostics, treatment strategies that are formed via diagnostics. Um, so that is how we met. And then George can go into the rest. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, I first started getting interested in dysphagia, one, because I'm obsessed with food. Uh, I love to eat. I, I love to cook. And so I felt like, you know, doing something that would help other people enjoy those same things was a very fulfilling place to be for me. Um, and I quickly realized as I was working in, um, nursing homes, which is where I started as well. I started in the skilled nursing setting that the best way to care for people is to number one, figure out what's going on. You can't treat something unless you can see it and you know what you're treating. And so I realized very quickly that I had to get access to instrumental studies. Um, and then I realized very quickly that I wanted to be the one doing those studies. And um, so like Ali said, I actually started in um, started my experience with modified barium, barium swallow studies in that same acute hospital where Ali and I met. Um, the I was enamored by it as well when I first started training in it. I really, you know, other than a little bit of experience as a student, I had no idea that this technology even existed. I mean, I'm a moving x-ray. This, this thing was like fascinating to me. So, so I, you know, I, I did the MBSIMP course. Um, I quickly got involved with modified barium swallow studies through the hospital. Um, and it was, it was just fascinating to me. The fact that you can see the anatomy and physiology, you can see exactly what basically we were guessing at at bedside for so long. And so to actually be able to see what you're going to treat was huge for me. And, um, and these in particular, I got involved in through my critical illness recovery hospital that I work for, um, because sending these patients out was really, really difficult. We're working with patients that have trachs and vents, um, complex medical histories, that make moving them really difficult, if not impossible. And, um, you know, I've found that both MBS and fees have their own strengths and, and weaknesses. Um, but fees, uh, for the most part, I have found to be more convenient for, for the patients, especially um, those patients that are either unable to or fearful to, or it's uncomfortable for them to um, transfer from place to place and, and, and go into a hospital setting, especially now with, with COVID going on. And, um, and right now I still do both. I still do both MBS and fees, but um, you know, I've, I'm slowly moving over to the fees side as, as my true passion in, in diagnosing and, and treating dysphagia. Instrumental studies are crucial, critical, whatever word you want to use, very, very important in um, the overall scope of care that we provide for our patients. Maybe let's take a step back and can you explain to us exactly what FEES is and why it is such an important instrumental study at this time of the pandemic? Yes, of course. Um, so uh, Ali and I did put together a slide deck 
um, that basically helps people get fees started in their facilities. And um, fees in, you know, in general, it, it stands for uh, flexible endoscopic evaluation of swallowing. It is an instrumental study similar to the modified barium swallow study and also considered a gold standard uh, swallow evaluation, um, just like the modified barium swallow study, but it's, it's much different. Um, unlike the uh, MBS, which uses radiation to take basically a, a fluoroscopy or moving x-ray of the patient, FEES involves endoscopy. Uh, to put a small camera through the nose and into the throat so that we can get a, a picture in real time of a real image of the patient's throat. And um, the reason, you know, there, there are strengths and weaknesses both uh, to both, clinically speaking, um, but the big convenience that we want to talk about today is the fact that fees um, is, is usually a lot more mobile than MBS. You don't need radiation. You don't need a radiologist. Um, you don't need all the equipment that comes with um, radiation. Uh, and so it's basically a small scope that fits in a briefcase and you can go from place to place. And the reason why that's so important is because you are able to provide this service to people who may you know, either be afraid to go into the hospital right now um, or they may, uh, it may be extremely uncomfortable for them to move around, or it may be impossible for them to move around, especially for patients that have a lot of complex medical issues going on. Um, so Ali and I did put together this slide deck that would help you get fees in your facility, you know, whether you work in an assist living, assisted living facility or, or, um, or you work in a long-term care um, skilled nursing facility, you know, bringing this service to your patients, I think is crucial at this time, especially during the pandemic when people are extra fearful of going to the hospitals and, and possibly um, catching some sort of infection. Uh, so our service, the fees service can be done inside the patient's room while they're in their beds at, in, in the comfort of their own bed, in their comfort of their own environment eating the foods they want to eat with family members and familiar staff by their side. Do you, do you go to home health and private practice patients as well? Private, private practice clinics? We do. Um, we do help out at a gastroenterology clinic. Um, so we do some private practice in that regards as well. Um, we also do SNF. We do assisted living um, and we're working on getting the service in the home, directly in the home. Uh, right now in New Jersey, there, there's a specific requirement that um, prevents us from doing that. But we're, we're working on, um, you know, we're working with the state and we're working with the licensing boards and the advisory committees to see if um, that can and should be changed. Excellent. So this PowerPoint slide is is excellent. I would would love to. We're going to download it, put it in the show notes. There's going to be a link in the show notes so people can go um, find the link, download it. It's we're also going to put it on the website. So come check it out. Looks excellent. 
Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you both. That was a beautiful explanation of fees, George. Um, So now after everybody heard that gorgeous explanation, they're saying to themselves, my patients, my future patients need fees. Now, how do I get it in my facility? So we're going to talk a little bit about how to do that. So the first step, you're in a facility, you know, you don't know anyone, you just started, or maybe you're a student and there is no access to instrumental um, swallowing examinations at your specific placement. So the first thing that you want to do is build those relationships. You want to advocate for those services in the facility, be the go-to person that people want to talk to when they have questions about dysphagia in general. Um, you know, attend those weight loss meetings with the dietitian. start those support groups. We advise that you conduct an in-service. That's a great way to, you know, gather around, maybe over some coffee, donuts, talk about your passions, talk about dysphagia myths, um, talk about why we need those instrumental swallow disorders, swallow exams, excuse me. Um, And then we recommend, even if, you know, if you do plan or if you don't plan to do fees independently yourself, we still recommend that you think about taking a basic fees course that will allow you to identify the anatomy, identify the physiology, uh, see how the swallowing maneuvers work um, under under fees. Uh, So the basic fees course would give you all of that information. Step two, prove the need for fees. So we already talked about some rationale for fees. There's just tons of research out there as to why your patient would benefit from fees. We also want you to keep in mind as a clinician that your director of rehab, your SNF administrator, medical director, they all have both clinical and financial interests in providing the best care for your patients. So always keep that in mind that we all have similar goals. We all want the best plans of care for our patients. We just always want to try to help others in seeing how best to move forward with those plans of care. Um, Keep a document about how many patients you'd think would benefit from fees in your facility. Keep it for a few months, keep it for a quarter and provide it to your, to your, administrator, excuse me, every three months or so, allow him or her to see how many patients would benefit from fees. Um, a lot of the times they don't just take our information at face value. You know, they, they need the numbers just like we need the numbers. Make those connections. Step three, connect with your medical director, SNF administrator, see, um, talk about the relevant clinical references, the relevant financial references that are applicable to both of those professionals. And we provided um, an appendix, two appendices on our PowerPoint, a bunch of references that everybody would benefit regarding um, why fees would clinically benefit your patients is the first slide. And then why fees financially benefits your facility. So that's the second slide. Um, And then I detailed, you can see it on the slides, I won't go into it now, but I detailed a cost savings proposal. So that's sometimes called a return on investment or ROI. And that is a, um, I guess, a little bit of an algorithm, I'll go and say that word, (laughs) for uh, talking about why fees would be a great cost savings procedure to have in your facility. 
Step four, schedule a mobile fees in service. So that's where people like George and I, that's where we hope that's our time to shine, to come to your facility, to talk to you about our passions, to talk to you about why you and your patients need fees, and to talk to the administrators and the directors as to why it would benefit um, not only the rehab department and the finances, but also just patient outcomes in general. And then at the end of the PowerPoint here, we have those appendices that I spoke about, a little bit about our bios and our contact information. So that's a little preview of our PowerPoint slides that we have for all of you guys. I know the listeners can't see this, but I love your line up here. You can't fix what you can't see on your final slide. So true. We live by it. <laughs> I have to laugh. Earlier, you were talking about return on investment. And I gave an exam one time and I asked what ROI stood for. We had been through, um, you know, just the scope and ethics and everything else like that. And the, the response was supposed to be release of information. And the student said, return on investment. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that's funny. funny. I just laughed. So ROI can have different, different business terms, right? <laughs> terms, right, right. So it just depends on how you use them. Did he or she get credit for that question? No. No, no, would not because it um, <clears throat> was not class appropriate. I, I, I wouldn't say class appropriate. It was just it wasn't what she was. It wasn't the material she was being tested. <clears throat> so for students and new speech pathologists who are so intrigued by your your job, can you walk us through what a typical day looks like working in your company or working as a fee specialist? Go ahead, George. Sure, I'll start. Um, you know, so a, a typical day is not so typical for us right now. Um, we, we started this fees business before the pandemic. And um, so we actually, we didn't have any physical fees until the pandemic started. Um, so it's sort of like, say, you know, when is normal going to start? Is this the new normal? Blah, 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 blah. So we don't know what doing fees, you know, doing mobile fees as a company is like um, outside of the pandemic. And, um, but, you know, we're, we're sort of doing the same things we were doing before. So clinically, uh, not all that much changes. We're still looking at the same structures. We're still uh, diagnosing the same types of things. Um, the different the difference in caseload has definitely changed. We're seeing obviously a lot more patients that have had COVID, uh, which was not an issue before. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of patients with respiratory failure um, and difficulty with car cardiopulmonary issues. Um, but, you know, Right now, you know, except for wearing a lot more gear and and looking like um, look, looking like we're in outer space with all of our face shields and and gowns and everything covering us from head to foot, we we tend to to do the same types of things clinically, and um, you know, both Allie and I still work in the hospital setting, so we're not only doing mobile fees, <clears throat> we still do treat patients in a traditional 
um, acute hospital. I also work in a acute rehab and a, and a, um, uh, a hospital for those that are, are critically ill. And, um, you know, but mobile fees is, is definitely something that we um, ha- are passionate about. And it's something that uh, we have a growing business now for. So it's been our concentration for the past uh, year and a half or so. And, um, and the big difference with the pandemic, I think, with mobile fees is, is sort of just being extra careful um, in, this, in this pandemic during this time where, you know, trying to make sure that even though we're both vaccinated, that we're keeping everybody that we see safe, uh, that we're keeping ourselves safe and our families by wearing all the right gear. Um, we, you know, get t- tested regularly to make sure that we're not bringing anything into these facilities or clinics. Um, and so, so yeah, to, to, to go back to your original question, a typical day is, is, is really different from day to day, which is why, um, why I love doing this so much. So it sounds like you have a lot of flexibility on your feast days when to, to move your schedule around. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that, and that is, that's sort of the beauty of um, working as both of us, both Allie and I work as per diem speech pathologists. So uh, most hospitals that we work for or are sort of flexible in terms of kind of when we come in and, and when we see the patients, as long as it's convenient for the patient, um, the most hospitals don't have any issues with that, which is great. And George, you hit the nail on the head to um, that flexibility. It really helps the patient. That is why one of the major reasons why we do mobile fees is because it is so convenient for the patients themselves. So, you know, I, I hear that I have an order to go do a mobile fees tomorrow. I, thank goodness, can make that happen. And I can see that patient as soon as possible. Unlike, you know, a, in a lot of settings, some patients, they wait months for a modified barium swallow in the hospital, you know, from an outpatient perspective. So that flexibility is so important for us to maintain our patient care. Well said. What has been one of your greatest challenges since COVID? Allie, do you want to start? Sure. I will be completely honest. I was very, very scared when um, a lot of the opinion pieces started to be documented about how fees itself was an aerosolized generating procedure. I didn't know enough about this. Um, so I you know, did my own research and a lot of the publications came out eventually saying that, you know, talking, coughing, sneezing, those are aerosolized generating procedures um, and fees in and of itself is, is not. Um, so that was a huge challenge for me. I had to take a step back, you know, ask myself, is what I'm doing safe for the patients? Is what I'm doing safe for myself, safe for my family? And it is, it really is. Fees, as long as, and George was speaking about the precautions, as long as we take our precautions, um, we wear the PPE, we do everything we can to um, keep the patient safe during the procedure, fees in itself is not aerosolized generating, and we can perform that procedure um, as ethically and safely as possible. So that was my biggest challenge in the pandemic. Um, But luckily, we've been able to rise above that. 
Yeah, um, I definitely have to agree with that. I think, you know, a lot of people were were scared to do anything when COVID started. You know, the, the, the recommendations from our administration was basically to stay inside and do nothing, you know, for, for, for what seemed like weeks, if not months. Um, it was especially in the in the northeast area where it first hit really hard, um, and and that made all of us nervous to be in the hospitals to be doing what we were doing. But the fact of the matter was is that we can't just forget that these patients need our services just because uh, there's a pandemic happening. So as long as we take the proper precautions, which we always do, this service is still uh, very much useful. It's very much necessary. And like Ali said, it, it is not in itself an aerosol generating procedure. And just to be clear about what that means is that um, aerosols, which are basically little uh, particles of a virus that can kind of float in the air and make it basically airborne um, so that you can easily breathe it in. Um, you know, sometimes they were saying it could be hours after um, the patient sneezes or coughs. Uh, but fees in, in itself is not an AGP, but a swallow evaluation is uh, because you are increasing the risk of a patient coughing, um, choking, gagging, sneezing. But in a way, and in a very important way, fees actually will reduce the risk of that. Because remember, you are looking at these structures. You're seeing exactly where the food and the liquid is going. So at bed, doing a normal bedside swallow evaluation, you're completely blind. You are hoping that whatever you're giving them is going down okay or not getting stuck, but you don't know. And with the fees, you know, you're looking at the structures, you're seeing how residue is building up. You're seeing that little bit of liquid that might be trickling down the posterior pharyngeal wall and into the laryngeal vestibule where it's just about to go into the airway. And then you could say, you know, clear your throat, make sure that that doesn't go down the wrong way and create a huge coughing episode. So in a lot of ways, fees reduces the risk of that. And I think, you know, the biggest challenge for me is basically communicating that to people that might be a little bit hesitant. And, um, and I think that over time, as people are becoming more comfortable, not only during the pandemic, as cases are, are coming down, but also um, just more comfortable with this quote unquote new form of instrumental study, even though I should say fees has been around since the 1980s, um, but it is really only been widely used in the last uh, decade or so. Uh, but as people start to get more and more comfortable with this, they're going to realize that the, that there are a ton of, ton of benefits for the patient. So, You've convinced me that if I was a student and I was interested in swallowing, this is something I would definitely look at. So for the graduate student or someone who's in their clinical fellow, how many years would you say they should have under their belt or, you know, have been in the setting other than fees before they decide they want to move on into fees? And then how would you suggest they start? moving into the fees area? 
So I would say if you are a, a clinical fellow, for example, and say you work in a, a healthcare setting, um, such as a, a skilled nursing facility, and you don't have access to instrumental studies already, then using a service like a mobile fees company would basically um, get you involved in the process to begin with. So a company like Feasible Swallow Solutions would come in, we would do all of the clinical work necessary to get uh, a study completed. Um, but you as the clinician um, treating the patient would be in the room with us, watching us, seeing what we're doing, um, seeing how the study is done, seeing the structures. We would be basically walking you through exactly what we're doing, what we're looking at, what we're seeing. And then um, also walking you through how the information that we get from the study is evaluated, analyzed, and a, a management uh, strategy or approach or a plan of care is, is formed. So, so that is a, a really an excellent way to, got, to get introduced to fees and also to help your patients obviously get easy access to these instrumental studies. Um, you know, it's, it really depends on the, the clinician and the environment that they're in. There is really no set limit to um, to or a certain number of years that you need in order to start training in fees, but but I would say to be safe, it's probably better that you sort of understand um, dysphagia really really well. You understand your clinical side of things really really well before you go into something um, as involved as fees. Um, and not to say that you can't do it. Uh, straight out of graduate school. Um, if you put the time and the effort and energy into focusing on it and you, you surround yourself with more experienced SLPs that can kind of train you along the way. Um, but I do think you have to have a really good foundation for the anatomy, the physiology, <clears throat> uh, neuroanatomy to really understand what you're looking at when you're doing a fees. I completely agree with everything George just said. And anecdotally, like I said before, I didn't start doing fees until about six or seven years in because that's when I felt comfortable to start performing fees. But I've trained clinical fellows who gain their fees competency during their clinical fellowship. So it all truly does depend on your, your experience. I know you mentioned earlier, we're going to take, um, if you would entertain me for just a moment, so many of the students that are graduating want to start in the medical setting, and some of the only options they have available to them are working in the skilled nursing facilities, and they're, uh, they just, the skilled nursing facilities have gotten just such a bad rap, and students are scared to step into that setting. Do you have any words of advice for a student who may be starting a clinical fellow in that setting? Um, I definitely do. But Allie, if you have anything, I, you can definitely go first. So I worked for my first three or four years in a long-term care setting. It was characterized as a skilled nursing facility, um, but we had a, a doctor, a, a singular doctor, come in once a month. Mm -hmm. When I tell you that was where I gained the most significant advocacy skills, mm -hmm. um, the most desire to research, 
the most desire to gain interprofessionalism communication, that's where it started for me. And um, I was able to use my experience in that setting to change, to make policy changes, to change patient care anywhere and everywhere I went after that. Um, so lots of people, lots of professionals will say to avoid that setting, I am not the person to speak to regarding that. I say, go for it. If you have a passion, make it work. Make those policy changes, treat those patients, you know, hold those patients' hands as you do it. I'm very, very passionate <laughs> about patient care. Um, so I think that the skilled nursing facility is an excellent place to start your career. You are seriously giving me goosebumps. I agree. I loved my time in the skilled nursing facility. The people I worked with, I just loved it. So happy I asked that question. <laughs> George, follow up? Oh, I 100% agree um, with everything that Allie said. You know, Allie, for one, she she is an extraordinarily good advocate um, for her patients. Um, it's... it's it's one of the many reasons why I've partnered with her. She truly cares about her patients. And you do need to have that characteristic when you are working in the skilled nursing facility. Um, and it, it's not to say um, anything bad about the facilities. Um, it's not to say that, you know, you, you get good ones and you get bad ones. Try to find the good ones. Um, it's an excellent place to start. Um, it's very similar to the acute setting in that you're seeing a lot of the same types of patients, the, a lot of the same types of conditions, and you can get really, really good at uh, developing your clinical skills, especially your bedside swallow evaluation. Um, but the advocacy part comes in with advocating for your patient to get services that might not be, or maybe they weren't done before, or maybe they're an extra expense for the facility. But you have to remember when you are advocating that you're not advocating for yourself. You're advocating for people that need services, for people that deserve services, for people that have worked their entire lives and now have insurances that pay for these services. So I think when you kind of shift your mindset, um, it becomes a lot easier to advocate for the people that you are serving uh, rather than yourself because you want to get uh, imaging, you know, an instrumental study for a patient. It's, it's not about us. It's not about the speech pathologist. It's always about the patient. More goosebumps. My gosh, I'm so glad I asked that question. Um, final larger question is what words of advice do you have for the graduate or clinical fellow? Holly, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, challenge everything, you know, you know, you think, well, you do have a fantastic education leaving graduate school. You have the, the foundation. Um, but at the same time, I still would urge everybody to challenge everything, you know, may, research, do your own research, go home. I mean, I know it's very difficult for some people to go home after a long day and spend some time on the computer, but as you have the time, research different therapy techniques, um, make sure, ensure that what you're doing is 
the best practice for the patient because EBP changes so often. And um, yeah, that we must keep up with that. Uh, and then also on the same side of that coin, if you think that you know something very, very well, try to teach it to somebody else. Try to teach those concepts, you know, to um, the patient care associate who's feeding your patient, to the RNs who are providing medication to your patients, to the families who are feeding the patients. Um, try to teach that anatomy and physiology and basic concepts to those people. And then you will see how much you know, and you will see how much we all still need to learn. One of my favorite quotes is by Albert Einstein. If you can explain it to your grandmother, then you have it mastered. <laughs> that is a great one. Absolutely. Yes. George. So, so yes, totally agree with everything that Ali said. Um, and I just like to add that I think it's important for everybody to to understand the value that we provide to the patient and to the interdisciplinary team. Um, especially now after the pandemic, you know, we were, we went through the thick of it. We were with our patients during this time. We were in the ICUs. We were helping turn patients. Uh, we were seeing patients after they were uh, extubated. Um, we were helping the team determine whether or not patients could eat, whether a feeding tube was necessary. So we, um, we were there and we've proven time and time again that we do have a place um, in healthcare and that we provide a lot of value to, to the IDT, the interdisciplinary team. And I think it's important to understand that even, even coming out of graduate school as a clinical fellow, that you have the education that you need to get started. You're not gonna know everything at first. And to be honest, nobody knows everything at any point in your career. So like Ali said, continue to learn, continue to build yourself and your clinical skills, even if it's spending 15 minutes a night um, just reading an article, uh, start somewhere. And also knowing your place in the IDT, you know, watch more experienced speech pathologists and see how the, the dynamic between you and other professionals, understand what other professionals do on the IDT, um, understand their place on the team, what types of things they look at, um, in terms of patient care because when you understand what other team members do, you understand where you fit in that team and you understand where your value can be used. And you can also understand the patient as a whole because you understand everything that's being done for that patient. Um, and I think that's really important to, to understand because we're not, we're not treating dysphagia. We're not just evaluating swallowing we are treating the patient and we're helping the team improve the care for that patient. Yes. Yes to everything. Um, IDT is interdepartmental team for anybody wondering. This um, episode has taken on such a depth and dynamic that I wasn't anticipating. You both have brought such wisdom, passion, 
joy, focus, purpose to what we do as speech pathologists. So thank you very much for your time. I have to put a shout out to George with your blogs. We didn't get a chance to mention those today, um, but you are quite the blogger. And I love how curious and questioning and positive your blogs are. So um, before we wrap up in like one minute or less, can you tell me again, the company, your website and where people can find you? Yes, the company name is Feasible Swallow Solutions, LLC. The um, name is spelled with two E's, feasible as in uh, fees. And um, you can find us at feasibleswallowsolutions.com. Um, if you're interested, you can contact us via the website, uh, via my email, which is feasible, uh, george at feasibleswallowsolutions.com. And uh, even if you're just interested in finding more about the company or uh, subscribing to our blog, which I talk about all sorts of uh, topics that are uh, sometimes not even related to dysphagia, but sort of as uh, related to the medical field as a whole. Um, and like Maddie said, I do ask a lot of curious questions and I dig into certain topics and issues, which I always seek feedback for and collaboration with other speech pathologists that are interested. My favorite blog is um, Patient Safety Versus Quality of Life. Yeah, I run into it all the time. All definitely, the time. Definitely. Thank you for reading, Maddie. I appreciate that. Well, go find George. Go find Allie at Feasible Swallowing Solutions. And thank you both very much for coming on today. Thoroughly enjoyed this. All of your information is in the show notes. So go to freshslp.com and you can download the transcript and everything there. Um, Allie and George's contact information and you can find their slide deck there, which is just very well written, organized, and you can um, take that and Take it to your administration and go make a difference in the world. So thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Maddie. Appreciate it. Thank you, Maddie. We appreciate you bringing us on. This is great. I hope today's conversation has created some aha moments for you and motivated you to become a better SLP continuing to connect some of those missing links between what you know and how to use that knowledge. Thank you for downloading the missing link for SLP's podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to subscribe, rate it, and leave a short review. Also, please share an episode with a friend. Together, we can raise awareness and help more SLPs find and connect those missing links and get the information needed to help them feel confident in their patient care every step of the way. Follow me on Instagram and join the Fresh SLP community on Facebook. Show notes are always available, so come learn more at freshslp.com. Let's make those connections. You got this.